To our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the favor to Dumbledore of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who constant vigilance. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? I feel like you're cribbing from my notes with how much I was just going to yell constant vigilance <laughs> throughout all of Newbie's notes. It's only like three times. It's more given... than that. <laughs> it, it's more in spirit, certainly. Yes. There are ec- there are echoes that just weren't written down. <laughs> yes. Um. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out on the uh, silver screen, as it were, mm. because it's a very, uh, it could go one of two ways. <laughs> I, th- I think that uh, in a different format, and if this were in the US, he would have been a ring banger. In terms of trying to get their attention kind of thing? Yeah, and also like, you know, emphasizing points and, and, yeah. and whatever else, sort of like that very military, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. The- yeah, the, the giant class ring that they're hammering on the table to quiet the room. Yes. Right. Um, I would say that Mad Eye Moody is a, a bit more mad than that, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's yeah. unclear at this point whether Mad is crazy <laughs> or just really angry all the time. And the Venn diagram for this man is a circle. <laughs> Almost a circle, yeah. Um, so we are in chapter 14 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire The Unforgivable Curses. And we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap. We have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. Um, we award house points. And then we have questions and queries and qualms and quibbles, which I anticipate will be robust this time around. <laughs> no, no. Why would you think that And what is probably the longest 17-page chapter we've had, just in terms of how many places we jump in the course of this. Also pretty dense information being thrown yes. out. Yeah. Well, it, with that in mind, Sarah, do you have the vaguest guess of how long this is going to take, or are you just going to say under two Five minutes, maybe? Minutes. <laughs> uh, I am not going to place a bet. My only goal is to maybe, 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 possibly get it under two minutes. Probably not. We, with our new new system of me holding up the stopwatch to the camera, you'll find out in real time. <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't know if I like this system better or not. It's really anxiety producing. That is the intent. Okay. It is. Right. I'm glad to know it's succeeding. Well, I'm glad it can purpose. stop at any time. But if you're ready, stopwatch is ready. Okay. We start with Neville doing Neville things and Snape doing Snape things. For anyone keeping track, he didn't get the Defense of the Dark Arts job again, plus Moody. They finally get to Moody's class, and apparently they're behind on curses. Also, Moody's on a one-year contract, so they've got to move quick, and he's not interested in just teaching counter curses. So they're headed straight to the unforgivable curses. Worth noting is uh, the information we get on the Mad-Eye bit of his name, which, by which his magical eye sees through all kinds of things, including the back of his head. Moody asks for three curses for the three curses and demonstrates them on spiders. Ron volunteers the Imperious Curse, which allows Moody to bend the spider to his will, entertaining until you realize that total control means just that. But there's a way to fight it. Neville volunteers the second, the Cruciatus Curse, which is torture, plain and simple. As Moody performs it on the spider, Hermione tells, yells for him to stop, but she's not concerned about the spider, she's concerned about Neville, who's horrified. Hermione volunteers the final one, the Killing Curse, Avada Kedavra. 
He kills the spider instantly in a blaze of green light. Harry is the only one who's ever survived it. And this is the first time that Harry really knows how his parents died, even though he's been hearing their last moments and seeing the light for years. But the unfor unforgivable curses need a lot of magic and powerful ill will behind them, and the use of any one of them sends you straight to Azkaban. The class ends and everyone streams out talking about the lesson, but Neville is clearly deeply disturbed. In an un unforeseen act of kindness, Moody comes to collect Neville for a cup of tea and a book that might interest him. Hermione dashes to the library again after dinner as Harry and Ron head back to the com common room discussing the curses. They run into Neville, who's reading the book from Moody, and they start beginning, or they begin uh, actively making up their star charts for divination as Fred and George have a suspicious looking confab in the corner. Hermione returns with the results of her, her hurried library stays Spew, the Society for the Promotion of Elvish Welfare. Harry and Ron are supposed to be the first members, and Ron is convinced that the house elves are happy as they are. Hermione yells over him regarding fair wages, working conditions, and wand use. Harry and Ron are immediately appointed officers and tasked with recruiting paying members. Hedwig appears, stopping Ron from saying something possibly right and very stupid. There's, a final, there's finally a letter from Sirius. He's headed back to Britain, and Harry is feeling guilty. Enough to snap at Hedwig. He goes up to bed and doesn't fall asleep for a long time, but then again, neither does Neville. Nowhere near. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Lord. No, okay. Nevertheless. Well, you've built up enough of a cushion. I think you'll survive this one. Thank you. Well, there, was, there, is, there is stuff and things that need oh. to be discussed here. So for Lots our listeners, 213. Yeah, 213 and a half. I don't know that the half there matters at enough. this point. <laughs> <laughs> it matters for your overall scores. It does. Oh, it does. That is true. Shoot. Are we rounding up or rounding down? Oh, uh, not rounding yet. Okay. Anyway. Um, clearly, that is, clearly that is something that BJ's going to decide in the worst way possible once we come to that moment. That will be a, a Dumbledore-like decision. Um, yes. BJ, what are you wheezing about? Um, so we don't have a lot of wordplay this time, um, which is always a slight disappointment. But we have some further insanity of, of Ron where his favorite things in life apparently are to see other people turned into animals and abused. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. this is insane. Like, <laughs> he's, he's a 15-year-old boy, and the most exciting thing in his life is if Snape were, were to be turned into a toad and bounced around. And that as a daydream or or uh <laughs> fantasy if you will is really weird uh, and uh -huh, kind uh -huh, of uh -huh. kind of concerning <laughs> yeah, he's not... go ahead sorry. no go ahead you're fine it, it i was i'm truly amazed it's not just you know a mild little just you know pondering that he's having he's not just you know daydreaming off he is so thoroughly wrapped up in this it's like it is just at age 15 he's finally found his happy place he did not know beforehand in life, but now he has found it. Um, and as you said, it's a little weird, but I'm it's not going to kink shame. Um, also, he says balderdash, which is a little bit of a non sequitur, it feels like. For a 15-year-old um, boy, yeah. Right. Um, and just like everything else that's going on here, I mean, I guess I could see Hermione saying it, but this is uh, a little odd. Um, I will throw in there that there are almost 5,000 highlights of 
Apparently, Professor Sprout told Professor Moody, I'm really good at herbology, Neville said. There was a faint note of pride in his voice that Harry rarely heard there before. He thought I'd like this. People were so excited by Neville having anything good ever happen Mm -hmm. to him that they've been highlighting this specific passage and nothing else so far. Yeah, no, people love this moment for Neville. (laughs) It is really sweet. It really is. Yeah, and, you know, for Moody, of all people, to pick up on that, too. And, like, bring it to him in this moment. Yeah. I I wonder if there's some history there that we might find out about that Moody might be part and parcel to. Hmm. We're, we're going to talk hmm. about that to a certain degree, because there's a lot of Moody's interactions with Neville there that are unique. Like, J.K. Rowling being as subtle as she can possibly be about her foreshadowing kind of unique. Hmm. Um, I wonder if, um, unlike the the racist wings of Hedwig, uh, Mad-Eye Moody is going to take... <laughs> We're back to that again. Neville. I forgot about that. <laughs> Neville under his more reasonable wings. Oh, I forgot about that thing. Stop it. Hedwig had a bad day in this chapter. <laughs> Hedwig had a shit day. He was... Hedwig was so there. It's like, I did a good thing. It's time for my treat. And Harry just kind of backhands him. Her. Uh, Very rude. What else, BJ? Very rude. Um, <laughs> so the, I'm not sure how I feel about this. It, there's some the some of the entertainment value, and there's some. It's a little bit too uh, played out already, which is, uh, you know, we have to fall fall back on that old divinity standby. Make it all up. Okay, sure, entertaining. Um, I mean, they go through all sorts of things. It, it feels a little, I mean, yes, they're 15, and it's written like they are 15, or maybe younger. Um, I feel like everybody else w- was probably a little bit more creative in their writing. Um, and Divinity might just be a good creative writing class. I mean, like, I'm, I'm just unclear here where where we're going with this. Well, but. I will give you a slight spoiler. I, I, I assume it's in the next chapter. I'm not sure. Um, but Professor Trelawney loves their homework. Oh, of course she does. I mean, I think the the biggest thing is she should really say it's very poorly written. <laughs> the ideas are there. The style is lacking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're writing for their audience, BJ. They're writing for their audience. Trelawney does not true. care about the prose. She care about the macabre. Yes. Not even the, the plot. There doesn't need to be any. No. It, she, she, is, she is the cozy mystery short story version. She oh, just God. cares that there are deaths. Death after death after death. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, nothing else matters. <laughs> so her her submission to the Agatha Awards is just 10 pages of a dead body is found. Just, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And the planetary alignment that, that led to it. <laughs> mm, mm. We, we joke, but I picture this winning the Agatha Awards next year. Um, <laughs> I think that... I have discovered J.K. Rowling's favorite character. Oh, who do you and think it is? And it is Crookshanks. Oh, ab- 100%. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Good call. Yes. Good call. Um, because there is absolutely no reason to have Crookshanks in this chapter unless it is her favorite character and he just needs to show up places and act kind of Hermione-like because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, I must say, it 
Maybe because just because I'm on the same page, J.K. Rowling, <laughs> my mood was noticeably improved when I remembered the Crookshanks was, was was in this book. Well, I have like I have often had questions about like okay, we know that students have, who have owls as pets, we know that they either go to the owlery or they go on their mail delivering missions. Like they have things to do, but for people who have like cats and toads and things like that, do they just stay in the in the common room? all the time no they they get transfigured into something like furniture for when they're not around <laughs> and then get transfigured back when somebody wants to pay attention to them anyway i Crookshanks was glad that Crookshanks was here in this now i mean if, if, as is appropriate for owning a cat Crookshanks was around before hermione essentially adopted him so really it's just that Crookshanks occasionally stops in when hermione comes back to her room but otherwise Crookshanks is on adventures mm-hmm. that's true and that's I true. Imagine... Crookshanks was very busy in the last book. So clearly, there's a way for them to go out and do things in the world. Crookshanks I imagine is he has um, visitation rights with Miss Norris. <laughs> oh, God. This is a fan fiction direction I don't want to go in. Book five. Everyone gets a kitten. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anything further, PJ? Um, so I just want to point out that the downfall of all of these books is in this chapter and why why there's actually a plot and it's and it's spelled out for one of the first times ever where Sirius is like you idiot go talk to Dumbledore <laughs> and Harry goes oh no I shouldn't have told him that because he wants me to actually mm-hmm. do that reasonable thing mm-hmm. so I'm not going to tell anybody anything mm-hmm. yeah Harry's interpreting sound advice as proof positive that him going outside of his comfort zone to do the thing that he always should have done was the worst thing that he could have done. Harry is, God a, help Harry us. is, a, is a big case of confirmation bias. Oh. <laughs> oh, we'll discuss that one in greater detail in newbie's notes. <laughs> that would piss me off to no end. But, but yeah, that's all the, the wheezing that I have. It's a lot more uh, plot-based than, than wordplay-based because... That's what we have this chapter. <laughs> a lot of plot. Those are the tarot cards you were dealt, BJ. Yes. Um, apparently, Jupiter was in the seventh house, and so I didn't get the... <laughs> Spencer, is it in retrograde? Like, you, you gotta help me here. Please, like, I, I just... <laughs> please stop singing the song Aquarius or whatever you're doing. <laughs> Spencer, um, what are... What are... What do you have to say? What are you noting about okay. Newbie? A, a couple interesting things to start this chapter off that caught me off guard is that, one, we have finally found something that Snape is apparently at least mildly concerned about or afraid of, which we've never had one of those before. Snape's, well, no, we I, had, he, he might not be afraid of Dumbledore, but... He, we've never had, like, you know, Dumbledore walk into a room and Snape goes in the opposite direction. I mean, yes. Snape is respectful of Dumbledore. He's borderline surly with him at times, just because of how pissed off he gets that Dumbledore seems to have it utterly out for him. But we've never seen him indicate that he was afraid or apprehensive around it. Mm-hmm. Snape yeah. is, on the other hand, walking around on pens and needles with respect to Moody, and that's new. Mm-hmm. That's curious, because it seems almost out of keeping for what we've seen of Snape before. Snape previously had two emotions, happy pissed and unhappy pissed. And that's kind of been it. It's been various ranges between those. We've never seen him actually just seemingly be afraid, and that probably says something about Moody. Another thing that says something about Moody, in a world where people can regrow limbs, the man seems to intentionally have a clawed wooden foot, which 
Either that reflects that the man has been cursed in some way that th apparently regrowing it wasn't an option, and Sarah's nodding, so maybe I know I, I know what your options are, and, like, who knows? <laughs> that's option one. Option two, this is a, just a conscious decision on his part from either a style or intimidation perspective. And either of those is very revealing about his character in history. Um, I mean, or... same thing with his eye, unless it's just, a, you know, a magical ornamentation. I, we don't know that he's missing an eye. We don't necessarily know that. We just know that he's got a a artificial eye that has remarkable abilities. Very similar to some bad anime, he's going to remove his magic eye and become so much more powerful. <sighs> yes, that'll be... Um, <laughs> um, one th a, a more clearly positive aspect of Moody is that we rapidly get that he approves of Lupin and his lesson plan and thinks he's given them adequate prep and, you know... Defense Against the Dark Creatures, Element of Dark Arts, and he appreciates Arthur Weasley. <laughs> yeah. These two things literally made me stop, stare at the page, and think to myself, don't make me love you, Moody. Is that I, I think that, that, but there's like a, it's like they're the competent people, they're the I, incompetent people, and they mostly only like, you know, people within their own circle, except for Snape, who just hates Pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm. Snape, Snape hates the world and all its permutations. Uh, but it, it, it made me apprehensive because, you know, Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers don't have much of a long-term track record or success well, or even percentage. At least it's being built in this time. Yes, he is only been... supposed to be there for right. the one year. Let's, let's consider our prior three options for what can happen in a year. We have one straight up pulped by Dumbledore, we're presuming. Option number two... Permanent memory loss. Option number three, career ruined and publicly outcast. And now, Mad-Eye Moody. A I year, mean, a lot can happen when it comes to being honestly, a good Dark Arts teacher. Of all of the people to have their memory, like, wiped, it seems very appropriate. And that was a pretty good outcome for him, honestly. <laughs> he might disagree with you in the moment. <laughs> sure. But will he know? So, I've been thoroughly hurt before when it came to me, you know, starting to enjoy Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers, so, <laughs> Moody, please don't hurt me again. Um, the fact that it is a one-year special favor to Dumbledore that he's even there just shows how hard the recruitment project for defense, the pr process for Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers now must be. Like, no promise of tenure, bonuses, or anything else. Dumbledore's having to call in favors to just get them there on loan. That's bad, and when he leaves, who on earth is going to replace him? We'll have to see. I, I think one of the interestingly telling things that might be an issue for people of teacher age is one of the curses. Um, and so finding a defense against the dark arts teacher that you hope is not a dark arts wizard, which we already had one, um, might be tough. Well, speaking of curses, I now feel very much schooled on things that you guys have been just giggling about with yourselves and me not knowing what the hell you were talking <laughs> about for a while. I now know the three unforgivable curses. It is only three, right? It these is are three. the only three. Yes, these are the only three unforgivable curses. Are the curses. rest called forgivable curses? <laughs> Mildly annoying curses? <laughs> Slight inconvenience curses. We'll only talk to you on Jewish holidays curses? <laughs> An apology card coming curse? <laughs> <laughs> they, they learned about those in later years. Um, what we know about them is that any one of them, for any use, is a guaranteed life sentence to Azkaban. Mm -hmm. So, unforgivable against the person. Did he clarify that? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you use well, it against... Well, no, 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 against another wizard, I think, actually. Well, you're right. So he was able to use them here without, without issues. Mm. Uh, yeah. Used against another person, which makes sense. And if I got these right... Are... The definition of person in the law might be a little bit <laughs> disappointing. Uh, <laughs> we have the Imperious Curse, where you say Imperio, which provides mm-hmm. total control over another person. Yes. In terms of their actions, their deeds, their thoughts, their perspective. It's a very and I imperialistic like how... view of uh, how curses work. I like how Moody plays this one out of where he mm-hmm. purposely has the spider do something funny. Yes. He purposely yeah. has it tap dance. And so everybody laughs. And then he calls them out on how what it's doing is funny, what's happening isn't. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand that. This is yeah. like when the wizards were holding aloft the muggles when they were wandering through the, the uh, tri the not Triwizard Tournament, the... Uh, That's coming. The Quidditch, Quidditch World Cup. Yeah, yeah Quidditch, Quidditch World Cup. But to them, it was utterly hilarious. But to an outsider, it was appalling. Mm-hmm. And you need to remember the fact that just the mere act of controlling a person is appalling. You should understand that. And apparently it's resist- resisted by strength of character, which is that delightfully ambiguous kind of criteria that can work any way you want to in any given circumstance. But apparently they're going to be trained on that too. Yes. Option number two. Uh, Sarah, please help me with the pronunciation. It's the, the, the cru- cru- cruciat- Cruciatus mm-hmm. Curse. Cruciatus Curse, mm-hmm. where you say Crucio, mm-hmm. which... Makes sense is agonizing pain. Straightforward. We're not taught what the defense against that one is, but there presumably is one because he makes a point of saying for our third one that there isn't. And our third one is Avada Kedavra. Avada Kedavra. No, there's extra letters. <laughs> Abba Kedavra. No. It's totally different. Uh, this is the killing curse where it's described as a flash of blinding green light and a rushing sound as though a vast invisible something was soaring through the air. I love that description. I mm-hmm. love kind of magic which just implies you're just tapping into some otherworldly thing that almost just appears on sight for that moment. Um, there's no counter curse, there's no blocking, and Sarah, as you noted, only one person is known to have survived this. Harry. So, Harry knows but apparently doesn't think about that there is totally a counter-curse blocking to this thing. Well... Because he knows how he survived. Well... Dumbledore told him, write a book, Harry, you'd make a fortune. <laughs> well, it's not really a... A mother's love isn't like a... <laughs> a teachable counter-curse, moment. <laughs> right? I'm not saying you could bottle it. I'm saying that it still could... It's still, I'm sure the wisdom world would love to know that this is an option. Um, Parental sacrifice? So, Moody goes through these, and it's a great lecture. Mm-hmm. I really actually honestly agree with him with his perspective of, yeah, you probably actually should know how this works. You probably actually should know what the curses are, because otherwise what's the point of this whole damn course? This is the main thing you're under threat by. Um, so you should be familiar with how it works. What surprised me to absolutely no degree, though, was that Dumbledore was perfectly on script with the idea that the kids should learn this at a younger age. Does that so surprise More- you? Not in a bit. More ways that the kids can die by violent means or suffer agonizing pain or mind control their peers? Learning experience. Well, you know the best time to learn all of these unforgivable curses is when you're going to be set head-to-head with other wizards from other schools. Oh, yeah. Let's totally teach an, an impressionable, uh, you know, hormonal 15-year-old how to murder his classmates. That's never going to work out that was, the, the hormones were going to be my point, yes. <laughs> Luckily, luckily, it appears at least with that one, you need a certain level of magical backing, a magical reservoir Mm -hmm. to be able to pull it off. Because I think in uh, Mad-Eye Moody's words, even if all of you aimed at me, it wouldn't be anything worse than a nipple. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not only the, like, magical sort of knowledge and power, but it is tapping into that, like, very specific deep well of hate. So... 
What does it say about Moody? Moody's got some hate in him. <laughs> that he just starts blasting. Well, I do think it's probably easier to kill a spider than a human. Yes, that's true. Well, we've already seen that Moody's got a grudge list. That Moody's, I mean, just the physicality of Moody says the man's endured a bit in the course of his life. Those dustbins and never stood a chance. <laughs> I don't even want to know what he threw at those things. Um, that will raise a question I've got later about how Apicadadra works. We'll come back to that. Um, okay, Neville. Yes. Poor empathetic Neville. I mean, I don't I'm assuming it's just that Neville is such a good egg that even the idea of a spider suffering in front of him just sends him into an empathetic just pity fest. Because, but okay. I'm thinking there's some history there. I, 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 these are the maybe options. familial. There is either a history which we just don't know about, which would possibly suggest just based on how utterly drawn into himself we see afterwards. Which Neville seems like he endures a lot and brushes off a lot. We've not seen him really in that kind of state before. So to see him afterwards having had this curse done in a living thing just be almost in a state of, like a state of disassociation from the moment to cope was weird and unique. And I, I think mm-hmm. you have to ask why he's living with who he's living with and where. Sarah, should he shut up? Sarah, should he shut up now? Should he shut well, up? Well, I, I don't. I don't have any foresight or foreknowledge. I am not going into spoilers because i don't actually know anything here i'm just guessing that his reaction to this curse and him not having parents around might be related if so that's massively fucked up and that could also then help explain my next point moody staring down neville and looking like among all the classmates that he knows him by name knows him by last name and is just looking him down that's unique that's interesting he responded to no other classmate that way that way and then afterwards, after he, you know, subjects Neville to this, and good on Hermione for speaking up for him, um, he then seemingly goes in the op- I don't know if it's necessarily going in the opposite direction. Neville did have his damn hand up for this, which is interesting, given if he has a personal history with it. Um, but he does then does the kindest thing we've seen Moody do yet. He takes him to his office, he offers him a cup of tea, and he brings it back to something Neville's good at. He gives him a book, he reassures him that Neville has a reputation for being good at this. He, as Perry said, really puts on his Lupin hat for a moment, and it's such a massive change of pace for this character, who otherwise we've seen is remarkably competent, stubbornly determined about how his lesson plan is going to occur, but we've seen no evidence of empathy, to to reuse the phrase, in in his soul. That he wants them to learn, he has reason for them to learn, but in terms of just caring for another person on a personal level and and how their feelings are, we didn't know that was in him, and it's reassuring to see it. I think that he might even be playing sort of a uh, Dumbledore role to Neville here, where he thought Harry should know about the death curse of Abracadabra, whatever, (laughs) Abracadabra. Whereas he kind of knows that Harry already knew like what happened and about it because sort of that's history. And I wonder if he's sort of playing that with Neville and, he took it farther than maybe he should have because everybody else also needed to know what was going on, but it had special meaning for Neville. And I'm hoping that this is going to be a, you know, everybody sort of gets their uh, pathway to glory, They're perhaps. The sun. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, if so, that is some fucked up exposure therapy kind of way of confronting this issue. <laughs> that if, you're, if your theory is correct that his parents literally died under subject to being subject to the Cruciatus Curse, and Moody thinks, huh, I know you. Your parents died in agonizing pain. Yes, let's have you serve as our focal point for the demonstration of that curse. Okay, 
I, I understand your goal, Moody, but dear God. I, d- I don't think that Moody is a trained social worker, so. <laughs> no. No, no. Speaking of social work, dear God, Harry, get some counseling, please. <laughs> Harry him say that he has spent just the last three years going over and over every particular of his parents' death in agonizing detail. Heaven help us. Yeah, not helped not helped by his prolonged interactions with the Dementors in the last book. When I believe we found out in the last book that like he kind of liked interacting with them because it meant that he, he got, got to his... see them. Yes. Yeah. That that was a very this interesting need, interaction. This man, need, this man needs more lupin tea. He needs yes. to have somebody he can have tea with. Mm-hmm. Just, um, just like or chocolate, because that's how you get rid of the Dementor <laughs> dirtiness. Um, so I wonder if, I mean, like Harry essentially did, if early childhood trauma that people don't remember, you just like wave a Dementor in front of them and like have a bunch of breakthroughs. Oh God. No, <laughs> that's a no, <laughs> no, th- th- this is how the wisdom world decided to find, you know, to do their equivalent of like hypnosis to find about childhood trauma. It's not going to be a good idea. It's going to involve satanic scandals. It's not great. Stop. <laughs> Um, let's see here. Uh, prophecy. You. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting there in a second. Uh, I like that prophecy homework uh, is basically like, you know, horoscopes as done by darts. It seems that, you know, J.K. Rowling is like the one middle-aged woman that isn't just obsessed with horoscopes <laughs> and is just utterly condemning them at every turn. Uh, the question is, how old was she when she wrote this? And she may be a lot more into it now. We'll find out. Uh... Let's see here. Uh, as you said with Spew, Hermione, great on intentions, sucks at branding. <laughs> but, I mean, but like did it on purpose. Because No, she did not. No, she, yeah, yes, she did. She had she, to have. She's not she that thought dumb. Of two options and Spew was the one she went with. Right, no, no, but she's but but again, she like she can't be that dumb. Like I just I refuse to believe it for whatever reason <laughs> she decided that Spew was funny or something else because you can take the P out. You can take the pee out, and it's fine. Yeah, but what we know is she thought up two different names. One was too long for a button, and so she went with spew. Yeah, the original one was to stop the outrageous abuse of our fellow magical creatures and campaign for a change in their legal status. Right, but you could have done society for for elvish welfare, and it would have been so. Yes, and BJ, you are good at branding. We have no reason to know that Hermione is. She knows what S P E W spells. She's not that. But she will yeah. not. So let's be let's be fair. She will not allow anyone. Despite and spoiler, Ron continues to call it spew throughout the book, and Hermione hates it. Yeah, it's the E P A. It's not EPA. Get it right. I'm sure. perfectly willing to believe that Hermione literally just did not think this through. Spencer, <laughs> she... do you say scuba? Hmm? Yes, you I say, say scuba. scuba. I say scuba. Okay. It's it's not a question of like, do people do this in the world? It is, did Hermione mean to do this? Hermione did not think this up. <laughs> Hermione did all of the legwork, put all of the effort, and then completely thought there are people like Ron in the world that will find a way to mock this. She, but she's, she's already of... she's already made the badges now, so she can't go back. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's committed. She's paid. The branding's there. Marketing flyers. Uh, Meanwhile, Hedwig returns, oh, and Hedwig. on BJ, your theory, all should be right in the world. But I think uh, Harry, Harry ruins that. Yeah, I think Harry then immediately ruins that by being an abject dick to his hardworking pet owl. I Is mean, that- 
this is on brand for everybody involved, and Harry had a reasonable chapter, so... <laughs> yeah, Hedwig's back, Harry did okay, but... Dude, you don't Harry carry... disregards everybody else's feelings and does the dumbest <laughs> thing he could possibly do with the information provided. Yeah, on that. Harry, like, forget prophecy. Harry just put sucks at putting together existing evidence. This isn't, like, reading the tea leaves. This is a fundamental misunderstanding of direct information that's presented to you. Is that he goes, oh my god, I sent a letter to Sirius Black and he's coming back. Clearly I fucked up because Sirius coming back... Is, can only mean that now he's under threat. He does nothing to put together the reason that Sirius is coming back. Mm-hmm. Is that Sir, Sirius directly tells him that, you know, this is a sign. Your, your, your scar is hurting. Dumbledore's clearly on the same page, otherwise he wouldn't put together Moody. It's not much of a jump to make the next, con- next conclusion that Sirius is drawing, but that Harry seems physically incapable <laughs> of doing. I mean, it is the crux of the issue, so, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. I just get increasingly disappointed when it comes to Harry is that every time I think that he's actually making a step forward, he immediately finds a way to take two steps back. And I was so proud of him that he called Sirius. I was like, okay, you didn't call your friends, but you sent a message to Sirius. You're directly responding to events. I'm so good. I'm so glad. Maybe this book will go in a different direction. Didn't even get a third of the way through the book and that one's dead and gone. I mean, he got the advice that he needed and like within the paragraph, he was just like, well, clearly I need to tell absolutely nobody on the advice of the one person who cares for me above all others, basically, has told me you should avail yourself of Dumbledore. He's like, well, clearly I can't talk to anybody. (laughs) On that frustrating point, Sarah, who won and lost this chapter? Well, I would say... I think we might have a singular winner and loser in this chapter. Do you think that Neville won and lost the chapter? I mean, if if we're not counting spiders... Well, sure. <laughs> Don't think they meet the criteria. No, I do. I, I am not opposed to that idea. I do think Neville certainly lost the chapter. Like, he, he had a really hard day. Mm. Unclear exactly why yet. Very difficult. As... Um, as evidenced by this very, very sad last, um, last line of this chapter, uh, the dormitory was completely silent, and had he been less preoccupied, Harry would have realized that, by, that the absence of Neville's usual snores meant that he was not the only one lying awake, which is just heartbreaking, um, especially and because also, like nobody's noticing Neville except for the yeah. narrator. And I was going to say, also super on brand for Harry for not noticing yes. anybody else around him. Yeah, this is not like a new thing, but um, <sighs> I am not against the idea that Neville won this chapter as well, though, because he did get recognized for being good at herbology. He did get Mad-Eye Moody's attention, like, completely focused on him. And he mm-hmm. did answer a question in class, which is pretty good for him, quite honestly. Uh, the only other person I would put up for a winner is Mad-Eye Moody himself. Also fair. Sure. Who taught an exceptional class, got to yell at people, got to use the unforgivable curses, got and, to be nice let, for a hot minute. And let's not forget, apparently has suffered no repercussions from turning Malfoy into a white bouncing ferret. Yeah, he seems to be so far. fine. Um, so, so yeah, I, like I definitely agree with that. I feel like Neville here... My, like I feel like this is after Rocky got punched out early in the movie kind of thing and like it's going back to training sure mm-hmm. and we're like at the beginning of we're doing Rocky three right now <laughs> I mean 
I don't think it's wrong. <laughs> Who's Mr. T in the story? I need to know these things. Um, we don't have... Well. I will, as sole arbiter of the house points and where they are, where they are awarded and lost in any given chapter, I will, um, I will accept your decision, BJ. I think we can do a winner <laughs> and a loser of this chapter. No points are... Net zero points are awarded. If anyone could win as much as he loses in a single <laughs> chapter, Neville. If only, if only for the sheer number of times that passage is highlighted, BJ. All right. Uh, Questions. Can curses be used on things other than people? Like, does Avacadabra have any Ava Avada Kedavra mm -hmm. have any use? Can can it harm? Can can you use it to like harm an object or blow out a wall, or is it purely just a killing curse? So okay. Yeah, can, can it be used on inanimate objects? Because clearly it's used on spiders. Like, these are all used on spiders here, so they can clearly be used on non-human things. Of course. Um, right. No. And curses in general, for that matter, I suppose. I, I think that curses... Hmm. I mean, I'm trying Could to you... think if there's an exi like a specific example. Well, no, because you can curse objects to be cursed objects. Mm -hmm. um, okay, yeah. I, it, um... Which doesn't necessarily hurt the object itself. Um, the object simply becomes a sort of conduit for hurting a human Ooh. later, but... Um, Man, Avada Kedavra is a cursed object? I don't think you can do that. I think that has to go straight to... <laughs> Man, somebody's gonna... Somebody's gonna play, oh, that'd be a hell of a prank to use with the sorting hat one year. Uh, yeah, talk about a port key. What are we doing here? <laughs> oh, so, Sarah, what was that short story about the dancing shoes? Oh, God. Yeah, um... No, we don't. So does that show up? Does that no? But we did get the uh, cursed book that you can't, you can never stop reading it. Good call. Yes. Um, so that you know that is an example of a cursed object. But I don't. My my intuition, and I'm not sure if this is true, but there are certainly spells that will like, as you said, Spencer, blast away a wall. I'm not sure that those are curses though. Right. Mm -hmm. It seems almost like a curse by death is just definitionally something that is used to harm a person in a way that there's other spells are more general use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yes, objects can be cursed, but I suppose that it is all, always, almost always, um, meant to eventually harm a person. Mm -hmm. Is being... the Whomping Willow cursed? The Whomping Willow is, <laughs> as the Whomping Willow does. <laughs> 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 Wow. Okay, Forrest Gump, thank you for that. <laughs> Other questions? Uh, you got one, BJ? Or I got a couple more. Go for it. Uh, can you just tell us whether the magic eye is actually an eye replacement <laughs> or an, an eye addition? I, it is or an is actual, this? like, he, Mad Eye Moody has in fact lost an eye. And this gotcha. is, he has chosen, I guess, uh, to your points on the options, I don't know if he has chosen not to grow it back, he cannot grow it back, or the magic eye is, like, just more useful. Like, some people, like, a old-timey people used to have all their teeth pulled out to have dentures because they were stronger. <laughs> they were all going to fall out someday anyway. Yes. Um, do, I mean, do we ever find out further information about why Mad-Eye is the just broken lump of a man that he is in a world of where, you know, um, Madame Pomfrey, mm -hmm. is that she the nurse yeah. again, exists and, you know, has skills? It is. So, like, we do certainly get information that at least... at least some of her, his injuries are specifically curses that cannot be fixed. 
I guess it's a little unclear if it's all of them or not, but we do also do get more information on like specific witches and wizards who might be responsible for these curses. Well, it, I, I, I figured that would make perfect sense that some of these are just, you know, permanent injuries mm-hmm. that cannot be easily healed because we famously have Harry's scar, yes. which we now yeah. know was a direct yes. result of the killing curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's um, exactly the kind of thing, the kind of indicator that curses do cause permanent physical damage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who's decided like how bad a curse has to be and is there like a you know this is like murder one versus like misdemeanor curses like is there an array or is it just like essentially this uh delineation uh there is there is certainly an array um there's a thing i can't believe this has never come up before especially for you spencer uh, mm-hmm. there is a body uh within the ministry of magic called the wizengamot Oh, God, please. I want to see that. <laughs> which we do, in fact, see, which is essentially the Wizard High Court. <laughs> okay, this do, being do English law... Do they have law, animated do, kangaroos? I, I, have so many, I have so many questions now that I know this exists. I completely forgot to tell you about this. Yeah, we don't... I don't How? think we see it until the next book. Oh, oh no. do they have sentient wigs? <laughs> that are also yammering. They're pretty... Oh, God, they're all, they're all cousins of the sorting hat. <laughs> they, they meet on holidays. <laughs> Yeah, do you get, a, do you get a, like a, a rhyme or a song with every sentence pronunciation rather than like we find you guilty? It's just like a, a recitation of the crimes and and some like legal history along in, in a uh, hopefully 4-4. Four, four, uh... Or an ever more complicated swearing in. Oh God, we, we, we joked at the start of this about, you know, Ron finding out what his one true joy- enjoyment fact, his one true happy place in life was. I've now found it. It took way too long, but now I know there is a magical court in Harry Potter uh, for yeah. to enjoy a book from now. Yep, uh, beginning of the fifth book, we do in- see, indeed see the wizard gamut <laughs> in full force. I, I really like J.K. Rowling's decision, and particularly the wizard gamut's decision, to include the Imperious Curse as one of the unforgettable curses. Because mm-hmm. I feel so much in the way of magic or fantasy, whatever else, treat the idea of mind control as just a casual thing. Mm-hmm. Is it's one that uh, either of you ever see Jessica Jones from a couple years back? No, I never saw it. it. BJ, did you see it? Yeah, I mean, I saw a little bit of it. I, like, it, it, but it, yeah, 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 I, I got the. It's okay, but one of the things it goes into is the idea of full mind control is incredibly violative, is incredibly abusive, is incredibly scarring. And so I really enjoyed that segment of when Moody emphasized that you may think this is funny, but really ponder for a second just how unforgivable this truly Yeah, and it's interesting because there are some genres that treat it well and some that treat it poorly. And like, I'm a little surprised that there was at least that, like, no, this is powerful and a crazy thing to do when we have uh, a not memory curse, a memory charm, <laughs> apparently, oh. um, that just wipes your memory. I mean, I would so I would point to like X Men as the like other large, uh, well known media where it's dealt with as a somebody who can do that, even on a relatively small scale, is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the grading of what's a curse and what's a charm seems very interesting. Um, I think it's a real, uh, the victors write the history sort of moment going on here. Oh, interesting. So what does Harry do in the next, like, five, ten years that... <laughs> oh, God. Harry, Harry's going to be big with the love potions, it turns out. <laughs> he needs all the help he can get if he doesn't pay attention to anybody but himself. <laughs> yeah, less than oh, <laughs> 
I'm, I'm assuming at some point the whole thread with Cho Chang is going to get pulled, just based on the sheer amount of shipping that J.K. Rowling is apparently engaging in <laughs> with respect to the two of them. Um, but I can't, to go, to, to sort of tie a bow on the Imperius curse, I can't remember if we've talked about it before, so stop me if we have, but you know, when, when Ron is volunteering it as an answer um, for Moody at the beginning of this chapter, you know, Moody says... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you would know about your your dad would know about that one. It gave him a lot of trouble at the ministry. Um, mm-hmm. That not only so there's a kind of two two pronged thing here. Not only were um, you know dark wizards using the imperious curse on other individuals to get them to do their bidding, but mm-hmm. also, and I think we have talked about this, but also um, kind of after the fall of Voldemort all of these dark wizards were claiming to have been um, right. cursed. cursed. Right. Which made it so, incredibly difficult to figure out Speaking of who was doing what and why. Can you daisy chain Imperius? I don't know what that means. So if you cast Imperius on somebody, can you make them cast Imperius mm. on somebody else and have like a... Interesting. I don't think... We never see an instance of that, but it would seem to me that given the sheer amount of magical power and will that it takes to cast the unforgivable curses to begin with, that there would be some sort of dilution factor that that just wouldn't work. Gotcha. Or, or that, like, if you can have it cast on you, it's probably not something you can cast. Right. That, might be, that might be true, ca- yeah. They lack simultaneously the strength of character to resist and the strength of character to cast it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so I've got like 95 other questions <laughs> on the subject of these are things that Sarah won't tell me, uh-huh. so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna avoid that pain. Okay, BJ, do you have any last questions um, that aren't going to make me huff at you? <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a question that doesn't make <laughs> you huff at me. So very fair. <laughs> um, does Spew continue through through further books? Um, the the is... organization or the acronym? <laughs> it is. Hermione's cause continues. I do believe Spew gets. I, I, th- I don't, chucked. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> I think it. I think it ends in this book. If it doesn't, it's less referenced later. But she she goes through iterations of this sort of house self liberation. Gotcha. Cause um, they take many and myriad forms, many of which are very funny. I mean, hopefully, we'll get the Elven Liberation Front and. <laughs> I other, was other ask, actually, diminutive so terroristic is, organizations. I have a question. Oh, please. So sp- this organization is specifically, and I think I've been saying it wrong, um, but it's specifically the Society for the Protection of Elfish Welfare. Is elfish technically correct instead of elvish? Are they different? Uh, you've got. You can take this one up with J.K. R- with um with J.R.R. Tolkien of where he basically decided that elfish didn't sound good, and so he made it elvish. Mm. But it I, was... I assumed he also didn't like elves and liked elves. Nope. So he ba- he deserves a lot of credit for popularizing elves as an alternative, hmm. but technically either one can work because he just kind of made it up. Okay. All right. We'll see. This. I asked a question in questions, guys. And you didn't get huffed at. It, Thank you. It is co- in fantasy settings. It is co- it, people will commonly uh, use elf with an f mm-hmm. to refer to things other than Tolkien elves, mm. and use elves to refer to something that falls in the more Tolkien or D and D kind of elf category. I would say that house uh, elves I, are very much not Tolkien yeah. elves. It, it should be house elves. Yes. Yeah, and it should be in the same way. I think it's, it's also elves. the 
singular versus plural and so once it's like once that was accepted i think it's like uh the terrible thing that octopi is going to become at some point Mm mm-hmm okay so next time we have chapter 15 spencer are you excited I am so goddamn excited to see this chapter. I get to meet other schools. I'm, I'm, I so want to know things. Um, yeah, this will this will be a fun one. I am excited to explore this with you. And we have a, a ship emerging from some water or sinking yeah, into some water. I'm pretty sure that's Durmstrang. <laughs> Is this ship literally coming out of the water? Because there's there's no sea access to Hogwarts that I know about. It's no, it's coming out of the the uh, lake or the pond or whatever that they have to cross. So it's literally emerging from. It's an aquatic. It's a submarine. With sails? How else are you going to propel with the current? It's friends with the giant squid. Okay, you know, on both of those thoughts. (laughs) Y'all, it has been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to the next chapter. We'll see how both of those theories go. Bye, guys.